You are listening to a sermon by Pastor Christopher Sally of New Life Christian Fellowship Church. The heart of the matter, as you as you well know, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the of the heart. And we've been talking about about learning to love. We've been talking about how we love God, but we've also spent the last couple of weeks talking a little bit about how we love one another. What does that look like? What are the expectations around that? We we spent some time talking about 1 Corinthians 13, and we talked about the, the, the power of love, but then we also looked at the practice of love, the, the 15 things that love is and love is not. Amen? The Apostle Paul giving us a lot of a lot of specifics, a lot of detail, because at that particular church, as I mentioned, they, they, they had the gifts, they had the spirit, but what they didn't have, they had the right manifestations and they had the right might, but they didn't have the right motivation, which was love. Love is the only motivation that can get us to the place where we we need to be, where we will actually execute and be obedient to what is going on. And so then we talked about the priority of love. And this this time I, I I was I was overwhelmed, if you will, in my reading uh, a particular uh, a book about about love. This this First Peter chapter one verse twenty two. It really is the the verse that that stands out. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. So when you see that word now, there's an indication just like when you see the word, but it's like I've said a bunch of stuff already and I'm, this is his culminating point now based upon all that I said. So that, that means that we need to be able to, as we do with all scripture, be able to interpret that, interpret this within the context with which it was written and really it's within the context of the paragraph and with the context of the chapter and in the book and the testament and in the whole bible but but we're going to just walk it back to what is first peter saying what what is he saying as he as he goes back after his greetings in verses one through two what is he talking about starting in verse three there is a progression to where he gets to that i think is important for us to be able to foundationally understand how he can come to a place where he says now love one another deeply from the heart and the first thing is I recall, and many of you may, um, the movie, uh, Do the Right Thing. There was a scene between Demare, as he was known, and then Mookie. And Demare was, was played by, uh, Ozzie Davis. Mookie was played by, uh, Spike Lee. And, and the, Demare had a, a tendency to, to, to be rather loquacious, let's say. And he said, Mookie, I need to talk to you. He said, come on, Mayor, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta go here. He said, Mookie, doctor. He said, okay, tell me, tell me, always do the right thing. He said, that's it. That's it. He said, I got it. I'm gone. I would tell you that the short thing is 
Doctor, the heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. Is that it? No, it's not. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. I'm not going to let you off as the mayor let Mookie off and just saying do the right thing. We have to, we have to know what that means. We have to know what, what, what is involved in that. And so I'm telling you the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. How would first Peter, how would Peter, uh, approach that subject? He, he approaches it here in, in first Peter and he starts in verse three and he, and he's going through verses three through 12 and he says, praise be to the God and father, our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance. Come on, somebody that can never perish, spoil or fade kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power unto the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, so that uh, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus is revealed, listen, he says the baseline is this. He is looking for us to drive from hope. Thank you. He is looking for us to drive from hope. What do I mean when I say drive? I'm, I'm, I want you to get a picture in your mind of a sprinter in the blocks. That very first part of a race, when the sprinter has their head, his or her head down, is the drive phase. Before you get to the maximum velocity phase and the maintenance phase, they've got to drive. That's the push. You're coming from a a standing start or a a squatting start or have you uh, leaned over start. But it's that it's that first thing. What what propels you? You have to have that drive phase. And when you're talking about your faith and you're talking about your walk with the Lord, the drive phase is based upon hope. Amen. That's what allows you literally beloved to get out of the blocks you drive from hope you get out of the blocks from hope it's it's the drive phase why because your hope is two things according to this he says praise be to god uh, who's given you uh, a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ and to an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade you can drive from hope beloved for two reasons because your hope is alive and your hope is assured. Amen. That, that, that's gotta, that's what gets you up in the morning. That's what allows you to get out of the blocks. That's what allows you to even keep your head down before you get to a place where you got maximum velocity. You know that your hope actually is alive. That person in Jesus Christ, your hope is alive. And even more importantly than it just being alive, your hope is assured. It's not just living, it's lasting. You're not excited enough do you understand when he says your hope is assured he said it won't perish it won't perish that means it can't be destroyed your hope is 
built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But he says, listen, you need to understand that what God has for us has already been set aside. It said literally, reserved in heaven for you. And guess what? It's reserved and it cannot be destroyed. Nobody can come and blow it up. Nobody can come and take it away. So the hope that you have, the salvation, the assurance is there. It's a living hope. You can go to bed resting easy knowing that your hope is alive and it's assured. Can't be destroyed. But but could, could it be affected in another way? Mm-mm. Apostle Peter said, Mm-mm, no, 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 it can't. No, it can't be destroyed. He said even this, it won't. It won't spoil. Something might not be destroyed, but it could be decayed. He said it can't even be decayed. So it's not like if we leave it out at night, like a banana that will turn from green to yellow to brown. He said it's not going to spoil. You can know that your hope is there and there's. it does not require, come on somebody, refrigeration. It's not going to spoil. You can have something that's spoiled that you can still see and it'll still be there, but it's not what you intended it to be. It's not what you thought it would be. You thought you were going to come and eat a yellow banana, but nobody wants to eat a old, brown, mushy banana. That's not the same thing. Amen. Maybe that's just your house. Maybe you like a brown banana, but most folks want them yellow. Amen. They, they want to be able to eat them when they're, when they're ripe so that they don't spoil. He said, listen, your hope is there. It can't be destroyed and it can't be decayed. But, but, but can it, can something else happen to it? He said, listen, it won't even fade. It won't even fade. He says, it's, it's not going to be like, like, like you get a, you get a, a book and a page and it's still there and you can still read it. But when it gets old, it starts to turn brown. And then it it fades a little bit. So when they find these old manuscripts, they're never in pristine condition like when they were written. You can still read them and it's still great, but you got to be really, really careful with it because it's it's it, it's it's faded. It's, it's turned brown. That's that's what happens. He said your your salvation that what he got for you, it can't be destroyed. It can't be decayed. It can't even be diminished. It's going to be intact, actually, as it was when I gave it to you. He said, not destroyed, not decayed, not to be diminished and reserved in heaven for you. It allows you then to be able to persevere even though you're persecuted. You drive from hope and you drive through all of the persecution and all of the things. He said, listen, he says, these have come so that your faith greater than may be proved genuine. Though you, he says, listen, um, that may result in praise and glory. He says, it says it, it perishes that it may prove genuine and, and may result in praise, glory, and honor. Amen. He says in verse six, in this great, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Amen. Trust me, a salvation that cannot be a faith, beloved, that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. And so perseverance tests your faith so that you know that your faith can be trusted. 
Amen. He says your faith, which is more precious than gold, your yeah, that 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 uh, that salvation that is assured, it's alive and it's assured, it's living and it's lasting. He says we'll test it. And you'll see that when your faith is tested, you will come forth as pure gold. You'll see that even though you're persecuted, you will what? Persevere. A faith that is tested can be what? Trusted. So the apostle Peter says, you drive from hope. Hope is what propels you. Hope is what moves you. You drive from hope. Why? Because that's the right outlook. That's the right outlook. I'm looking unto who? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Always looking to Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat on the right hand of God. Amen. He says he he endured some things to get where he was, and he says, listen, that's who you look to. Drive from hope. Amen. And then he says, in verse 13, therefore, mm, therefore, prepare your minds to sit around and do nothing. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. That was the, that was the Negro, uh, version. I'm sorry. That was the Negro international version. That was the NIV. Well, I'm supposed to be in the NIV. Sorry. The new international version, not the Negro international version. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Now that you got the route, the right what? Outlook. That's a, that's a mind thing. You got the right outlook, the right perspective. He says, now that you're driving from hope, he says, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Let your, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, future, future when Jesus Christ comes back as obedient children do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. There's a lot of ignorant living that's going on right now all around us. If you want to see ignorant living, I think you all you have to do is just Google it. You can Google anything and you will find, beloved, ignorant living all around us. Ignorant expressions of things that make you say, what, what, what am I, what, what, what is this? Who is this? Why are they doing this? He says, don't, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. There's so much here. I got to take big steps, though. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. The bottom line is he's saying, beloved, I want you to drive from hope. But now I want you to thrive through holiness. You want to thrive in your Christian life? He said, prepare your minds for action. You want to thrive? 
You want to get to the, to the next phase. Amen. You want to be able to be a good foot soldier. You want to be able to be a good believer. You want to be able to, to, to represent. He says the way you thrive is through holiness. Amen. And, and literally he says, I'm, 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 I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you four reasons. I'm going to give you four reasons to be holy. He didn't have. I don't say he didn't have to do it, but, but, but I love the fact he says, listen, he says, I want you to be holy. Why? Because our hope propels it. He says, be set your hope fully on the grace to be given you. Your hope, your hope of, of, of your assurance of salvation should propel you to be holy. Our hope actually propels it. That's why it says in first John, beloved, now are we the sons of God? And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Your hope would propel you to be purified. Amen. That's what verse first John says. That's the same thing Peter is saying. He says your hope should propel you to holiness. You you drive from hope, but you thrive through holiness. So our hope propels us. And then it says, listen, our God commands it. It's not that, that our hope propels it. Our God commands it. He says what? Be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. And then his judgment will inspect it. If that's not incentive enough, he says, since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers. Again, remember, he's saying as strangers because this is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven, according to Philippians 3 and 20. So again, he says, live your lives as stranger with reverent fear. And then the fourth reason, he said, is because Christ's salvation has paid the price for it. He said, man, listen here, you weren't redeemed from that empty way of life. Again, you know how he throws, he just throws jabs in. It's just like, it feels like it's unnecessary, but it's not. I got to remind you, you, you weren't redeemed from that empty and banal way of life that you were living before. He said you were redeemed not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you, but you were redeemed that way, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect he said you are redeemed not with the perishable but with the precious come on somebody he said with not with the perishable you are redeemed with the with the precious so i need you to thrive through holiness am i talking about us being sinless no because we know that uh according to first john uh one if, if we say that we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. He's not talking about us being sinless. He's talking about us being blameless. Blameless means that when when things fall apart and when things go sideways, you get back in the saddle. You ask for forgiveness and you keep moving. Amen. Blameless is about a perspective and understanding that you've fallen short of the standard and you know that you want to restore the intimacy with God. So you confess the things that you have done. You don't hold on to your sin. You hold on to the relationship. You hold on to the intimacy. Amen. Sin separates us from God and it separates us from the intimacy that we have with God. Amen. You and I want to be in an intimate relationship with God. We should be. Why? Because we love him. 
and he loves us. And we don't want to do anything that would distance us from that relationship. And so he's saying, listen, this is about your character development. This is not, he said, gird yourself for action, but, but you, God always prepares you, beloved, for what he has prepared for you. You don't want to be blessed without the character to match the blessing. Amen. You'll crumble under the weight of blessing if you don't have good character. And so he's saying, listen, if you want to thrive, you, you, you want to get where you want to go in Christ, prepare your mind for action, but I need you to work on you. Amen. I need for you to al- allow God to do some things in you. We are always excited and always asking God, check your prayers. Maybe it's just me, but check your prayers. You're always asking God to do something around you always, but you're not asking God as much to do something in you. And guess what God is just as interested in doing something in you as he is doing something around you. Because if I do something in you, I'm building your character. That's why Galatians 5 could say, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, and meekness against such. There is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Again, he's saying you need to build up the fruit of the spirit. Amen. That's how you that, that, that's how you thrive in holiness, because you're fruitful. How are you fruitful? John 15 and five says that what you need to be able to do what abide in the vine. Why? If you abide in me and I abide in you, the same bringeth forth what much fruit. Buku fruit. That's the other NIV. Buku fruit. Because apart from me, you can't do anything. Ye can do nothing. Apart from me. And so the key to fruit is abiding. And the key to abiding is understanding that the relationship is I have to be in the vine. Amen. That means holiness. Be holy for I am holy. You can't abide in the vine and be with the holy God unless you have. Come on, somebody in, in, in Psalms 15, clean hands and a clean heart. That's who abides in the that who, who can come to his holy mountain. Only he that hath what clean hands and a clean heart. He's looking for us to thrive in holiness that we might abide in him. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. He says, so be obedient and holy. That's the right output. The right outlook is to drive through hope. Hope's the right outlook. Holiness is the right output. It's the right output. You got to build this thing up. It's got to be built up. That's the right outlook leads to output. And now he says these words. (laughs) Now. That you have purified yourselves. Think of it again. First John three. He that uh, hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth. Now that you're thriving in holiness. Mm. He says so that you have sincere love for your brothers. That's good. You've got sincere love for your brothers. He says, now what? Love one another deeply from the heart. 
what you can't necessarily see but have to appreciate is he has pivoted again from phileo love to agape love. You can't see the pivot there. He says, now that you have phileo love for your brothers, now I need you to step up your love game and agape love one another deeply from the heart. He, he approaches it, he approaches it slightly differently in Second Peter. In his letter, in Second Peter, which we review when we talked about how to have a victorious life. Look at these eight building blocks of victory. We've talked about this before a few years ago. But in Second Peter, he talks about his divine power has given us everything we need. And through these, we have he's given us very great and precious promises. And then he goes to verse five and he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. Starting block, add to your faith, goodness and to your goodness, knowledge, to your knowledge, self-control and self-control, perseverance and to purpose perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. And then the last but not least, the last little, as you think about those those nesting, those Russian nesting dolls, it's kind of like you keep going and there's one inside and one inside and one inside. You get all the way down to the heart of the matter. He says, once you can achieve that brotherly kindness, if you really want to make your Life thrive and you really, he said, you gotta add from brotherly kindness, you gotta add love. Brotherly kindness, phileo. Love, agape. He's saying it the same way here. He's saying, now that you've done all that, I I just want to encourage you that there's one more level that you need to get to. You need to not just drive from hope. You don't just need to thrive through holiness. You need to strive for harmony. Harmony. You got to strive for harmony. The driving from hope is the right outlook. The thriving through holiness is the right output. But the striving for harmony is the right outcome. He said, I'm looking for an outcome here. And that's why the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. He says, if you can get to the place where you're starting to drive from hope and you're trying to strive through holiness, that's good. He said, now we need to get the right outcome, which is you got to strive for harmony. Love one another deeply out of a pure heart or from the, the heart. In first, I want to say it was in First Thessalonians chapter uh, four. I think it's nine and ten. Paul says to the Thessalonians, "Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, do it more and more." It's always an encouragement 
to say, listen, you, you, you're doing some things, but I need you to do it more and more. That really is the mark of a disciple when we can literally start to love one another deeply from the what? From the heart. It's the right, it's the right outcome. And in, and in first John three and 16, it says, this is how we know what love is that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Mm, don't like that. If I'm being real, they say that's, that's the level. That's the level I need. I die for you. You need to die for them. And you can't pick and choose who. It's easy to die. Well, it's actually not even easy to die for the ones that you actually are in great relationship with, but you won't even think about that kind of sacrificial love for somebody that's in the body of Christ that you don't really care for. Just let that marinate. Just let that marinate. But Romans 5 says not only we glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because what? God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Again, God doesn't, He what he requires from us, he provides to us. He says, I poured out my love in your hearts by the Holy Spirit, but I need you to access it and I need you to use it and I need you to be able uh, to, to, to not... Uh, to not to give it an outlet. Amen. And I've given you the input. It's through the Holy Spirit. You have everything you need, but you have to grasp this so that you have the right outcome. The outcome is harmony. The outcome is you better be striving for harmony. Why is harmony so important? There's a difference between unity and harmony. There's a difference. Unity means in a good way, we're all doing the same thing at the same time. The important thing is, if you think about it from, from like, for instance, from the mag team standpoint, the first thing is we, we all have to be singing at the same time. Pastor Mark can't come in two seconds after I come in with the same note talking about the same word. That means we would not have the appropriate unity. If, if Kelly and KJ and Annette and we're all singing, we could all be singing the right note, but if we're singing it, not singing it together, it's, there's a, that's a unity problem. Amen. And, and if we have a unity problem like that, I promise you, brother Robert will stop the practice. And the other thing he'll do is if, if we together and we not with him, y'all ain't with me. We got to be with him. Amen. So there's a, there's a unity that has to come with, I, I remember my good friend, pastor Kenny Grant would say as a drill sergeant, it didn't matter if Everybody on the, on, on, in, in his, in his unit was marching together, but if they weren't marching with him, it was not in unison. It, there was no unity. The unity comes with you all being together, but the real unity comes with you being together and being with me. <laughs> He's like, it, it's, I'm the drill sergeant. You gotta be with me. This is the drill sergeant. So even if we were all together, but we weren't with him, we're not all together. There has to be some, there has to be some unity. And, and so again, that, that's great, but then, there's something called harmony. Amen. There are times that we'll sing and what brother Robert will say to us, I need your best what? Blend. 
He said, listen, it's something he hears or doesn't hear. And he might just encourage us, but we know what he means. It means it's not quite curling over. And he's so nice with it. He just says, uh, everybody, I need your best blend. That means I need you to sing it together and then I need you to make it. I need you to make it sweet. And then what steps it up in any song, as you hear it and you appreciate it, is there's one thing with everybody singing in unison. But there's something when that harmony comes in. So that we are together, but we got complementary notes and we got a good blend with it. You and I appreciate a group that can get that harmony on. Back in the day, there was this group called GQ. That when they came out, it must be a special lady and sitting on top of it. And then they would do that harmony, that harmony thing. Or Take Six. Remember when Take Six first came out? It was like, those brothers can blow. Check out that harmony. The Apostle Paul, I mean, the Apostle Peter, I'm saying this, that there's a difference between even singing together and singing in unison. but, But there's something to a good harmony and a good blend that takes it to the next level. And I'm saying you're not just striving. We're not just striving for unity. We're not even striving for unison. We're striving for harmony. That's the best of us when a singing group is together and they're singing in unity and they're singing in harmony. Harmony, you can't stop them. That's when we begin to worship. That's when things really go really well, just in terms of how we're talking about it. And those groups that can harmonize at that level are the bomb. Apostle Peter says, I need you to be the bomb when it comes to love. Strive for that. Don't just strive to sing together. Don't just strive to sing together in unison so that all of the notes are good and you're together. He says, I need you to take it to that next level. I want you to curl it all the way over. I want your best blend. And I want you to sound sweet. And if you do that, that's the right outcome. And he said, why is that so important? For you have been born again. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord stands forever. He said, and it is that word that was preached to you. Why is this important? Why do we come back to this? Why is he saying, listen, you got to get this thing right. I want your best blend because we're talking about eternity here, y'all. Your salvation is eternal. Your experience with God is eternal. The word of God is, according to this, is eternal. The living and enduring word of God and the love of God and the love that we have for is eternal. Everything is about eternity. And so he says, listen, this is important. Everything needs to be done with eternity in view. That's why it says that these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Why? Because love is eternal. It's eternal. We got to get this thing right because we're going to be doing this love thing forever. 
And he loves us with an eternal love. He says, and in the word of God that was preached to you is eternal. The relationship that you have with God is eternal. He says, and that's the word that was preached to you. So I need you to get this right. Love one another deeply from the heart. Because the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart.